Hello and shalom. Welcome to this episode of Image Bearers Radio. I'm your host, Joe Amon. We got a great show ahead, so buckle up and hang on. Here we go. Well, shalom, shalom. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to this episode of Image Bearers Radio. I am your host, Joe Amon, coming to you all the way from southwest Louisiana. How are you this week? How's your week going? I hope that everybody is uh, is faring well, and uh, I want to just welcome everybody who's listening for the first time to Image Bearers Radio. Uh, this is a really super cool opportunity for me uh, to uh, to start some conversations, and, and hopefully these conversations are carrying on uh, with those of you that listen. If uh, if anything, you're taking them to prayer or uh, in your Bible studies or among your friends and family. And uh, starting this conversation about how we how we bear God's image, how we become better image bearers uh, of Hashem. And uh, so thank you guys for joining in. If it's your first time listening, I'm the pastor at Out of Ashes Ministries in DeRitter, Louisiana. And uh, we have a wonderful uh, Yeshua-centered, Torah-pursuant family uh, community here that uh, we, we're, we're just, we love doing life together. And uh, we live stream our Shabbat services every Saturday, 10 a.m. Uh, Central Time. And unless there's holiday stuff like there was uh, this last week, we celebrated uh, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Teruah, and uh, we had a Friday evening service and then no service on Saturday. Uh, next week, we celebrate Yom Kippur, and um, we will have our regular weekly Shabbat service at 10 a.m., and then we'll have a Sunday evening service to welcome in uh, Yom Kippur. So uh, sometimes we have special adjustments, but that stuff is all always announced on our Facebook page. So follow us over on Facebook, uh, like us on YouTube, or I get that backwards all the time. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube. That's the way it goes. Uh, and then check out our website. Uh, we have all of our archive teachings and stuff there. And uh, so just, yeah, welcome to the conversation. If it is uh, not your first time coming back and you listen every week, man, thank you guys so much uh, for all the support and all of the, uh, the feedback and uh, just for listening in. It's, it's huge. It's a, it's a great uh, opportunity. If you've never been through this area of the country where we are, uh, it's really rural. There's not a lot that goes on here. Uh, we're about two hours, an hour and a half, two hours away from any major city. Uh, and so uh, the fact that we can talk to so many folks over such a wide area is just amazing. And I, I just thank Mike Clayton and Barry Phillips for introducing me to uh, to the guys at Hebrew Nation and then for Rollin and all the team for uh, allowing me and giving me this opportunity. It's been a, a great, great, a uh, lot of fun thing for me. So, So thank you very much. Uh, so how's everybody doing? I hope you're well. Uh, there's just so much stuff happening, yeah? I mean, 2020, right? Wow. Um, we are still kind of recovering from Hurricane Laura, uh, even though where we are, uh, a couple hours off the coast, north of the coast, we are getting back to normal. Uh, the folks south of us in uh, the Lake Charles area uh, will be still several several weeks, maybe a couple months, as they you know, try to return to some kind of normalcy. People are getting power back and water. Uh, slowly but surely, and uh, so we appreciate just all the the support, the prayers. If you donated, if you prayed for us, if you reached out, just thank you so much for for knowing that we're here. 
And uh, so we're also uh, praying for our our friends and family, brothers and sisters, and just everyone, frankly, um, in the Mississippi coast, Alabama, Florida panhandle area, as they got walloped pretty hard last week with another hurricane. And then we are watching another tropical storm uh, in the Gulf right now that is uh, it's doing kind of this drunk, kind of wobbly dance. And uh, it looks like it's going to come in just south of Houston, Texas, and ride the coast for a little bit. And then it's going to pass right over us again. Uh, but hopefully, uh, prayerfully, uh, this will not be as much of a wind event, and uh, it'll drop a lot of rain. And, um, and hopefully the flooding will not be too severe. And uh, so that's happening. We have the wildfires in, in California, in the West Coast, in the Pacific Northwest. And uh, we have a lot of friends and family and, and uh, followers and, you know, online family up there. And so we just pray for you guys. I, I hope that you're doing well. I hope that your property and your possessions and your animals and your, uh, you know, all your, all your things are well uh, there. And we, we remember you and pray for you. Uh, 2020 has been just absolutely crazy. I know everybody's talking about it, but, uh, you know, when the, the pandemic, uh, pandemic, I even mentioned that, <laughs> the pandemic, the, the coronavirus, uh, I know some of you are, are still in hot spots maybe where you have to be really careful. And I know some of you are just completely over it, right? Uh, you just want Walmart to open both sets of doors. <laughs> and if you, if you don't know what that reference is a reference to, I understand, but if you do, it's funny. Uh, and so I get both perspectives, but, um, you know, when all this stuff, the pandemic and things started, uh, started to hit, I had really one question on my mind and, and in my heart, and I still, you know, I'm seeking God about this. And that is really, you know, Father, what are, what do you want the body of Messiah to know? Like, what are you trying to teach us? What are you trying to show us? Um, because I fully believe, I, I, I a thousand percent believe that the body of Messiah, uh, the kingdom of God, is the directing force on the earth. We should be at least. I know that uh, maybe the, you know, some of the areas of the church have fallen asleep on that. We've disengaged from culture and stuff, and we've just kind of let culture run rampant. Uh, and we're, we're kind of paying the price for that. We're seeing the consequences of what happens when the church or when the body of Messiah sits back on its heels. Uh, and so, you know, we, we, we really want to know, like, what is the heart of God? 2020 has been hopefully a year of clarifying vision uh, for, you know, for all of us as disciples of Yeshua and as image bearers of God. Uh, it has been a way for us to, or a chance for us to seek the Father's heart and to just really, you know, find out how we can represent Him better and how we can bring the kingdom, uh, you know, to fruition and manifest on, on this earth. Uh, because there are a lot of people hurting, and there's a lot of people that need, uh, they need peace, they need shalom, they need, uh, you know, restoration, they need forgiveness, they need mercy, they need direction, they need empowerment, uh, and all those things, and, and that, that has to come from the people of God. If it doesn't, it'll try to come from the government, and that just never works, um, you know, that it never works out. So, I, uh, I just, I pray with you, and I, and I ask that you guys all be praying, guys and gals, sorry, I say you guys all the time, uh, that you would all be praying, you know, just seeking God and asking Him uh, where in your life you need, you know, you need direction and, and, um, and finding that wisdom and, and an effort to represent Him better, to be the light and to be, you know, the, the disciple that, uh, that Yeshua called us to be. So uh, I just, you know, 2020, who knows what's going to happen next, but we're right in the middle of the High Holy Days. And uh, so, you know, we, we celebrated Yom Teruah uh, just a, a few nights ago, and uh, we, we just had a, such an incredible, you know, service and time together. I'm, I'm thankful for all of you who joined us on live stream, uh, Facebook, YouTube, uh, or on, on the website or our, our mobile app. And uh, we are preparing for Yom Kippur uh, next Sunday evening. And, uh, you know, a, a wonderful day of just repentance and, and soul searching and, uh, and coming clean before Hashem, but also a day of rejoicing. 
Yom Kippur, you know, is a, a day that kind of gets the, you know, it gets a reputation of just kind of being a somber day and a depressing day, you know. But what we know that we that we serve a merciful, gracious God, and that He, you know, He extends mercy when our hearts are right towards Him. So, um, you know, we we have these these intermittent days, these these ten days of awe, uh, as they're called in, in traditional, you know, Judaism, and just a time to really seek seek the Father. And uh, so I hope, I pray you're doing that. Uh, I hope that you're doing that. Don't let these days pass you by as, as just kind of, you know, another day. Because uh, they're not. They're the day when the king is on the, seated on the throne, right, at Yom Teruah and uh, Yom Hadin, the day of judgment. And he's, uh, you know, Yom Hakisei, the, the concealed day or the day of the throne. And uh, so he, he's seated on his throne and he is, uh, he is calling his people to him. And uh, so I hope you're taking advantage of, uh, of these days. And uh, we're going to get into our episode here and uh, talk a little bit more about the Pharisees. We'll pick up kind of a conversation from last week, talk a little bit more about the Pharisees, uh, and then we'll round out this section of kind of the last few weeks of this series uh, as we prepare to get into the Gospels. So before we do that, as usual, let's pray together. Avinu Malkinu, our Father and our King. Avinu Shabbat Shemayim, our Father that is in heaven. We come to you and recognize you during this time of the high holy days as our king. And we ask that you receive our worship and our, our study and our, our desire of you, that you receive it with a full intention of innocent hearts, Father, and lead us to who you would like us to be. So picking up on last week's episode where we talked about the Pharisees, uh, the Prushim uh, in, in Yeshua's day, uh, and we, we've had this conversation during this kind of silent years series or this uh, series of weeks, and we took a couple weeks off because of the hurricane, and I couldn't record, and if I could record, I couldn't get it up online. So um, I know we've kind of been, you know, it may be a while before we kind of get back into a groove, but we're, we're doing it. So we've been through the silent years where we talked about synagogue and kind of the the creation and evolution of synagogue, and uh, we, we talked about the uh, Hellenism. We've talked about the five Jewish responses to Hellenism as the culture changed around them and began to press itself onto them, and, and how Judaism responded uh, to you know to this pressure of Hellenism, this new euangelion, this new gospel, uh, Greek gospel of Hellenism, and it's as we kind of stressed last week, it's really important. It's really important that you, that you and I, that we think about um, these things. These are not just, I, I hope that I'm not just throwing out little facts to kind of go, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't know that. It, it's, it's not about knowing facts. It's about thinking and meditating on these things because history is cyclical, especially in, in, God, in the way God tells the story and the way God works. It's, it's all cyclical. So the things that have happened before are going to happen again. And, and as we look at this intertestamental period where, you know, quote unquote, you know, God was not speaking. Um, there were no active prophets as far as we, we know. And, and we have, you know, recorded in our scripture, but there's a lot going on and, and think about, you know, we kind of take for granted, maybe some of us, um, you may have never thought about this, but we kind of take for granted that, um, that up until the arrival of Yeshua and the spreading of the gospel and the kingdom message through the nations, 
there, the the people of Israel, the the Jewish people, and the, and the tribes that were you know located around them and and mixed in with them, and and the people of the covenant, the Abrahamic faith, they were they were the only way that the world knew of Hashem. They were the only way the world knew of God. They they you know protected the ordinances that God had given. They preserved them. The you know they carried the scepter as in uh, in the prophecy in Genesis uh, forty nine, I think it is, um, when the prophecies are given to the sons. You know the scepter will not depart from Judah. They they carried uh, the, the covenant, and they are the only they are the only the world's only way to know God as far as you know being a representation. Sure, God can call anybody He wants, and He can call you know a pagan or out of the blue, and He He can do all of that. Uh, absolutely, He can. And yet, for the most part, the the concentration of of image bearing is on Israel, right? And in, and is is on those that return to the land uh, and those that represented God either in the exile or return to the land after the exile. And so we kind of take that for granted um, as believers. And like, well, everybody has heard of Jesus. Everybody knows God in all the world. And, and that, that may be true now um, to a point, but yet it wasn't true always. And so we just have to kind of think about that. And so this prompts this discussion on the Jewish responses to this, this cataclysmic shift in worldview uh, and, and with the introduction of Hellenism and the taking over of the Greek Empire. And so we talked about, of course, the Sadducees and, uh, and, and the Her- uh, Herodians, and then we talked about the Essenes and the Zealots and the Pharisees last week, the Prushim. And this conversation is really important because I, I believe it very much mirrors the state that the body of Messiah is, the kingdom is in today. Uh, and that in, I, I would say in, Judaism is in this, uh, going through this, this thing as well, um, and, and that it's that the culture is changing around us. Uh, and we have to figure out how we represent God best in the changing culture. And that doesn't mean that God changes, but it, it does mean that we may have to. Uh, I heard an illustration a long, long time ago um, from an old, old, old preacher that, um, you know, when he was a kid, they, they got fuel, they gassed up their cars, and they had gravity pumps, right? And, uh, and he saw the evolution from gravity pumps, uh, you know, to these newfangled, like, you know, digital things where you slide a card in and all of a sudden you get gas. And his point was that, you know, the, the, the medium, the, the fuel maybe hasn't changed a whole bunch yet. Sure it has, but it hasn't changed a lot. It's not a completely different, uh, thing that we're putting in our vehicles, right? But the method of delivery has changed. And, and so the substance of who God is and who we are to be as his followers hasn't changed over the generations, but maybe our method of delivery, maybe the way we bear his image, um, has to be adjusted a little bit. And so, um, this conversation is really important, not only to get some historical insight into ancient Israel and first century Judaism, uh, but also into how it is today. So we, we talked about the, the Pharisees last week, the Prushim. And uh, for many of you, maybe you've always put the Sadducees and Pharisees together. I know I did for a long, long time. Uh, and yet we, we know through history, we know through you know, our, our studies, uh, there's a couple books that I've rec- uh, recommended. Uh, you can go back in the episodes and, and check those out, um, Ancient, ancient uh, Institutions uh, and um, Israel in the first, or Judaism in the first century of the Christian era. Uh, those are great books to kind of get an insight into what was going on in, in first century, especially Judaism. And uh, it's important to to remember that the Sadducees and the Pharisees could not be any different. 
uh, in that they were they were like liberals and conservatives today, right? And so they they are an opposite ends of the spectrum. And we talked about Pharisees being uh, being hyper obedient. Their 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 heartbeat, the way that they, if you asked uh, if you asked uh, you know if you asked Israel, um, how do you bring Messiah? How do you bring the kingdom? Uh, the Pharisees answer, uh, first of all, would have probably been, well, that's the wrong question. Um, but the, the, the question would have, the answer would have been Messiah comes, the kingdom of God comes through our obedience. And, you know, it's all these sinning Israelites, these, it's all these, these compromising Israelites, these covenant breakers, these unfaithful that are keeping, that's why Rome is here. That's why Rome stays. That's why Greece came, and that's why Rome is now come and is, is occupying our land because we are not people of obedience. And so the Pharisees were, were students of the text. You know, we talked about Capernaum and, and the, the massive libraries that there were, there were there and the, and the study halls and the schools. And, and so this also created this, uh, this really interesting dynamic in, in Phariseeism. And remember, they're in the Galilee where Yeshua does most of his ministry. And it creates this interesting dynamic where they are, they are hyper obedient, right? That's their focus and the hyper obedience. And we also said that they, they had the idea that, you know, since the Sadducees weren't doing priesthood really, uh, you know, we really weren't fulfilling priesthood in a, in a really clean and, and, and heartfelt manner, uh, they were, you know, dancing in Hellenism and their, their priestly calling both at the same time, that the Pharisees kind of took on this thing where like, we're going to do it right. Uh, even though many of them were not priests, most of them probably were not priests. They still kind of said, "Well, we're gonna we're gonna preserve and and conserve that uh, that priestly role, right?" And so, rabbinic Judaism, which comes from Phariseeism, rabbinic Judaism, uh, is this effort to uh, preserve the Levitical tradition. And so, when you kind of have Rico Cortez said that at a, a conference I was at, it just blew my mind. I never thought about it like that. But rabbinic Judaism, which has its roots in Phariseeism, uh, its goal is to preserve the Levitical tradition. And so we can look at Judaism and we can say, oh, they have all these traditions and they have all this, you know, all this stuff that's not, quote unquote, maybe in the Torah directly. And we can really fault them for that. And I would challenge us to be really, really careful uh, to fault them for that because there's one major component that, that, that rabbinic Judaism even today can point to that most of us have absolutely no idea about. Yes, you may know Hebrew, you may you may know really really know biblical Hebrew really well. Um, you may you know you may have a really great grasp of the scripture of the prophets of Torah and how they speak to one another and how they you know they intermingle and you may be able to break down a Hebrew phrase and you know and get to a really interesting core meaning and you may be able to connect dots all over the the scripture even into the New Testament into the Gospels. And yet there's probably one main thing that you've never studied, and that is the temple. And, and so the temple is the center of Jewish life. And we don't understand its impact on the people of Israel because we don't have such a, a, an institution. The church has kind of taken that place in some Christians' lives where their whole entire life is, is, uh, is attached to the church and the ministry. Um, and yet we, we still don't really get a good grasp of what it's like for the, for the, the temple where, you know, where the offerings are made and, and uh, where the prayers are done and all this. We don't understand kind of what that means uh, for the people. And so Phariseeism and rabbinic Judaism took a lot of uh, things from the way services were done in the temple, and they have applied them now uh, to everyday life. 
when the temple was destroyed in 70 AD, uh, the, 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 the Jewish people kind of said, well, now the, 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 the family table, your home family dining table is like the altar. Uh, and, and it doesn't mean it was the altar. It, it, in their mind, it was their way to preserve and keep the, the temple traditions alive. And so the prayers that are said after meals and the way we approach even eating all together in Judaism is much different than the way we do um, as non-Jews. And so it's really important to understand why, the why behind things, the way things are done, rather than just saying, oh, well, they added or they, they took away or they changed. It, it's, it's not that simple. And it takes a lot of study and it takes a lot of thought and contemplation. Not to say that I've done all of that really well. I'm just, I'm just saying we, we've got to kind of put the brakes on and understand where they're coming from before we start to throw stones. So uh, the Pharisees, you know, this hyper obedience thing, you know, Messiah comes, the kingdom of God, Rome gets put out, not like the zealots say by, you know, by uh, redemptive violence, not by, not by killing them all, but when we are right. What that creates, oddly enough, in Phariseeism is it creates an in-crowd and an out-crowd. And I don't know that that was their intention, but if you weren't living up to the Pharisaic standard, you were out. And, and you, th- there wasn't a lot of room to get back in. You know, there have, you have the Baal Teshuvah, you know, the, the repentant ones, and, and, uh, and you have those that turn back to the, the covenant and to the Torah. And yet... This created a, a, a huge schism. There was, a, 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 in a sense, a lack of mercy and a lack of grace. And maybe, maybe that's where we get the, the idea that the, the God of the Old Testament, was, you know, there was no mercy and no grace. Maybe that's where it comes from. I don't know. It's just speculation. But you have this, this thing that was created in the, in the Pharisaic tradition where, um, you know, if you, weren't, if you weren't living up to the Pharisaic standard, then you were called a dog and you were put, you know, you were put down. I mean, just think about some of the gospel uh, accounts that we'll, you know, we'll get, start to get into over the next few weeks. Um, think about some of those accounts where Yeshua runs into the Pharisees. Last week we read from a passage in the gospel where Yeshua rebukes the kind of the main, uh, the religious triangle, we call it, of, of Pharisaic Judaism, you know, the Capernaum and Bethsaida, and, and he's rebuking them and comparing them to Sodom and Gomorrah and, you know, re- comparing them to Sidon and Tyre. And, and you think about that. Um, why is that? It, it talks about their sins, right? Um, uh, about the, the sins of those communities. Well, these were hyper-religious communities. They were, they were affixed on being obedient to the Torah. So what were their sins? And we kind of talked about this last week. Their sins certainly weren't like debauchery and, uh, you know, adultery and fornication and uh, incest and, you know, cheating and stealing and, you know, being overly drunk and, and all those kinds of things. It certainly wasn't that. I believe, and it's my opinion, that their sins were these ones of, of, uh, of um, exclusivity, not, not really creating an, an atmosphere where people could come uh, into the fold or come back to Hashem um, as they were working through their addictions or habits or challenges, sin, whatever you want to, however you want to call it. Um, and it created this, this in crowd and this out crowd. And some of you have been a part of religious traditions um, where you've kind of experienced this thing, right? They may, they may preach love and, and may preach a God of love and, and all of that, but you have to kind of do it their way, right? You have to do it their way. You have to dress like they do. You have to look like they do. You have to pray like they do. You have to, you know, it becomes this, I don't want to use the word cult, but it kind of becomes this cultish kind of thing where the only way you can get to God is if you do it their way. 
And that's from studying Phariseeism. That's kind of the sense that, that, that you get uh, even when you read through the Gospels and the way that Yeshua talks to the Pharisees. Uh, I said last week, I personally, while I don't know that Yeshua completely aligned with one group, uh, I believe he would have been more a part of the Pharisaic community just because of where he lived, where he did most of his ministry. Um, the ones that he spoke the harshest to many times are the Pharisees. And if you know anything about Judaism, uh, you know, find, find a Jewish person, a religious Jew, and ask them. You know, um, Jewish people tend to not uh, rebuke outside their community. They, they rebuke inside their community. And Christianity tends to do that a little differently. We don't touch our own really so much. Uh, and yet we, you know, we stand in street corners and we, we preach about homosexuality and all those things. And, and that may be right, but it's just a different way of approaching a different perspective. So after the break, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, identifying with these groups. Um, they are us in a lot of ways. And so I want to go through each one of them and kind of pick out the positives and negatives of each group, because I think Yeshua did that. And, uh, I want us to think about how we identify with, with each group and where we maybe uh, need to do a little better. So we'll talk to you right after the break. So welcome back to the second segment in this episode of Image Bearers Radio. So right, so we're going to start talking about these five responses, Jewish responses, uh, in the sense that they they are us, right? They are us. So I hope kind of along the way, as we've been talking about these these different people groups and kind of their beliefs and the way they uh, they saw themselves and the way they saw their purpose and the coming of Messiah and the coming of the kingdom and you know, getting out from under the oppression of Rome and re- really restoring the Davidic uh, dynasty, the kind of the golden age of Israel. I hope as we've been going through these things, um, you've noticed maybe that when we talk about, uh, you know, the Sadducees or the Herodians, maybe you've noticed a part that of you that's really similar to that. Or, or maybe there's something that's risen up in you that is really uh, that is really against something we talked about, you know, like, oh, I would never do that. I would never be that. Um, or, you know, that's vile, or that's the reason why X, Y, Z happened. Um, I hope that you've kind of identified maybe with one group. And um, I, I maybe didn't mention that at the beginning. Apologies. Uh, but my my intention and my curiosity is, is just to say, which group would you identify with yourself? Like if you had to say, well, this is the group that I think I would have been in. Um, now, the tricky part is that, uh, I know I have a couple of groups that I would have identified with, and I would have said, like, this is the group I would have been in. But I also have to be careful to say, uh, to realize that this is the group that I may think I would have been in, but really and truly my actions and my lifestyle really put me in a different group. So we have to really do a lot of introspection, you know, and really kind of think about ourselves and think about the kind of the gut check answers we would give and say like, well, this is maybe what I hope, what group I hope I would be in. And yet maybe I may be lying to myself a little bit. I may be thinking of myself a little better than I should. Um, so 
that's kind of been the journey that I've taken as I've studied these different groups and kind of going like, which one do I think I would align with? Um, personally, I'll just tell you that personally, I think I would have made a really good Pharisee. Um, and now I can, now after studying this, I can say that and not feel all shameful. Like maybe, you know, 10, 15 years, I would have like, Oh, I would Pharisee. I'd have been the worst of the worst. No, I mean, the Pharisees had a, uh, they had a lot going for them. I mean, they had a, you know, they, they had a lot of really, really positive things. I think they were probably closest to Yeshua's heart, uh, even though he rebuked them pretty sternly. Um, I think except for the, kind of the, you know, the mercy factor and the inclusive factor, I think they're, they're actually, you know, this kicks against a lot of what we've been taught. I know. Uh, but they kind of had the closest thing going. Um, and, and yet I have to really think about myself and really be honest and say, yeah, but I really, I really enjoy modern culture. You know what I mean? I really probably would be more Herodian if, if I'm really honest. I would like to think I'm this devout, pious, you know, textual uh, person and that, and that my life is built on complete obedience, you know. But really, I'm pretty Herodian, um, when I, you know, like it or not. It's just the way it is. And so that's kind of been the journey that I've taken as we've gone, as I've gone through this study and the last year or so when I've I've been looking at these groups and, and really thinking and pondering on them. And I hope that you've done the same thing. If you haven't, just take a minute while I'm flapping about and, and kind of think back about, you know, which group do you think you identify with more? And so now what I want to do is I want to kind of say like all five responses, all five reactions to Hellenism, they are all us in some way or another. Uh, we we identify with each one of them maybe more than we realize, and they all have positives and they all have negatives. Um, now let me just remind you that that I did teach this over a series of weeks uh, on our Shabbat uh, during our Shabbat uh, services, and so I would encourage you to go back and listen to those as well if you're interested in this conversation. Uh, because there's a lot of things that I said then that I didn't say today, uh, you know, or during, on the radio show, and a lot of things on the on IBR that I didn't say during the the live services. So it will give you a kind of a better rounded perspective of this conversation. Um, and so I want to kind of make the point that really we have something common in common with every single group, probably, and probably most of us. Maybe you have more in common with one than the other, but there's a little bit of, of, of every one of these groups maybe in, in us or in our communities, our faith communities. So um, the positives and negatives of each group, we're going to start with the, the Sadducees. So let's remember who the Sadducees were really quick. The Sadducees, remember, were of the line of Zadok, the high priestly line, and um, they were the ones who were responsible for the temple, right? They were the priests who served in the temple, and uh, they were... Uh, they they were very corrupt, right? And so they they were in bed with Rome. Uh, they they kind of worked the deal between Rome and Herod, King Herod, which was uh, history knows him as Herod the Great. Uh, I think a more apropos title would be Herod the Wicked, because he uh, while he did amazing things uh, in architecture and building and things like that for Israel and for the Jewish people, he also did some really destructive things. And so the Sadducees, so they're positive. Uh, it may be hard to find their positive, but for me, their positive is really twofold or maybe two sides of the same coin. They have a God-given calling, right? They have a God-given office, and that is the office of the priesthood. They are legitimate priests, 
And in that kind of, you know, the, the side B to that or, or the, the next step to that is that they serve a very important function. Not only do they have a calling, but they serve a very, a very important function. And that is in their priestly duty. Like we talked about last segment, we, it's hard for us to understand the importance of the temple. It's hard for us to understand that institution. Uh, you know, my temple teacher, Joseph Good, who many of you will know that name. If you don't, I encourage you to, to you know, get to know about Joe and Debbie and, and the work that Joe's done over the last 45 years. Joe was teaching uh, temple stuff on TBN like in the 80s and 90s. It's crazy. Um, but, you know, he he really has helped me to understand uh, that the, the temple is really there's there's really not a page in Scripture where there's not temple language, where there's not allusions to the temple as as Hashem's sacred space and the place where heaven descends and humanity is elevated, where heaven and earth meet. Um, there, there's really not a page in our Bible, Old Testament or New Testament, or Hebrew scriptures or New Testament, where where you you where you don't find an allusion or some kind of temple connection, uh, especially through the Gospels, uh, the prophet. I mean, it's just all over the place. It's all over the place. So the Sadducees are very very important. God, God maybe needs is a strong word, but God desires priests. He set up a priesthood. We can say, well, yeah, but the Levitical priesthood is, you know, they were never supposed to be the priesthood. Okay, so let's go back before that. What did God say? All the firstborn of Israel, they were going to be priests, right? They were going to be representatives. They were going to be mediators. They were going to be uh, the, those that, are, that cared and protected for sacred space. So, yes, God does want priests. He, he does need priests as partners uh, in between, you know, between he and, and them. And so the, the Sadducees serve that function. Like it or not, corrupt or not, whatever it is, the positive is that they have a calling and they have, if you want to use the word, an anointing for that office and they have a function. What is their negative? Well, I mean, their negative is, is pretty easy. They're just completely corrupted by, by Hellenism, uh, by Rome, by Herod. I mean, X, Y, Z, they're, they're completely corrupted. They wear their Judaism really, really, really well. Um, and, and, you know, and they mikvah and they, they do all the, you know, we talked about, uh, the high priest quarters, uh, high priest palace really just, uh, below the temple in, uh, pre first century and first century. And, you know, there's, there's like 30 something mikvah, mikvah, uh, mikvah baths. And you can say, well, like why in the world do they, they, but they're so corrupt though. Well, how does that make sense? Yeah. But then again, let's identify with them. How many times do, do, you know, do, if you're a, especially if you're in ministry, if you're a leader, you're a pastor, an apostle, or, you know, you're in leadership or a teacher in some kind of way in ministry, uh, how much of our life, and I'm going to get messy, this is going to get really messy, and so I'm not going to apologize, but I'm just going to say, if you're not ready to hear it, then, then tune me out. But how many times do we wear, uh, wear our, our belief, our faith outside really well? And yet, you know, we're, are we doing it at home? You know, I mean, ouch, man, I'm so, I struggle with that so much. We get so busy with ministry um, that sometimes our home life suffers. Uh, you know, there's, there's, there's times where, you know, our, my kids and I, we pray every night. And there's months that go by that I just kiss them goodnight and put them to bed because I'm exhausted, um, you know, or I'm, I'm, I'm distracted or other things in ministry. And so, like, is that a little Sadducean, you know, or maybe there's a show I want to watch. You know, I'm involved in a, in a show on a series or something, and I really want to see it. So I just go like, okay, guys, good night, love you, kiss you, put tuck you in the bed, whatever, I got to get down to my show. Or, you know, maybe it's football or maybe whatever it is. And so how many of us are really Sadducean in that way? 
um, we, we may be a little more corrupted than we think we are. And I think it, if we're serious about representing God well and representing Messiah well and, and fulfilling the job that Messiah gave us when he left to do what he did in greater, I think it behooves us to really do some of that hard work and ask ourselves those really tough questions and let God, especially during these, these, uh, these, you know, these 10 days of awe in between uh, Yom Teruah, Rosh Hashanah, and uh, Yom Kippur, I think it really behooves us to really let God do some surgery on us and say, you know, if especially... Like I said, if you're in ministry, if you've, you may have a, a genuine call. You may have genuinely be called by God, and you may be a pastor uh, you know, that, that you may pastor at work, or you, you may never stand in front of a pulpit, or you may never have your name on a sign, but maybe you're a pastor. Maybe you're a teacher. Maybe you're a prophet, and maybe you do all those things out in your vocational life, and yet it's really important that we honor the calling that God gave us not just on the outside, not just with how we wear it, but how it affects us personally. And so the Sadducees, while we may think they're the most vile group, you know, of the five, and maybe some of us are really, really, we struggle in some areas that we need to be aware of. So let's look at the Herodians next. I'm going to get out of your business for a little while, and uh, we'll get in somebody else's business. So let's look at the Herodians next. So remember that the Herodians are not priests, but they totally buy into the Sadducean worldview. And they, while they may not be priests, they are connected to the culture of the Sadducees. Um, and, and so this, this Herodian uh, you know, response, what is the positive to the Herodian response? And we've probably mentioned it when we talked about them before. But the Herodian response, remember that they are completely and totally engulfed in their culture, which, which in one, on one side can be a positive because they're perfectly placed to engage their culture. They are, they are perfectly placed. They, they know the language. They know the, uh, they know the, the Roman and Greek references to, you know, philosophy and philosophers, uh, art, mythology. They, they understand this world because they're involved in it. And, and on one side of the coin, that's a humongous positive. What better place to engage the culture or can you even engage the culture if you're not somewhat involved in it, if you're not connected to it? And, and so they have a huge potential positive there. But they also have a massive negative on the other side of that same coin. And that is they're very susceptible to idolatry. They're very susceptible to, you know, to these compromises. And idolatry really sums it up. Um and, and they're willing to compromise for comfort. I'm going to say that again. They are, again, they wear their Judaism well. They, they are true. They are truly, you know, they are Jewish. And they're religious, most of them. And they, they honor their Jewish heritage. And they, uh, you know, they honor the covenant with God. And, and you know, they would, you could never take that away from a Herodian. You could never take that away from a Sadducee. And yet, because of the influence of Hellenism... The Herodians would tend to compromise their religious beliefs for the comfort of Greece, for the comfort of Rome. And, and you know, they lavish homes and, and, you know, decorative. And I'm not saying that God hates prosperity. It's not, while I'm not a prosperity gospel type of, you know, teacher, uh, I, God, you know, doesn't hate those things. Those things are not, you know, the, the education and the, the, the things we've talked about, the, the education, the, the health care, uh, the athletics, the entertainment. Those things are not bad in and of themselves, and we said that earlier. 
And yet, if we compromise the statutes of God and the law of God for comfort in that culture, that's a huge, huge negative. And so, like I said, I would like to think I'm a part of one group or another, but probably I am. And I would venture to say that probably most of you listening, we're very Herodian. And and not that we intentionally walk that line, that thin line between obedience and idolatry. We I don't know that we intend to or that we do on purpose we're not trying to be as close to the the line of idolatry as we can i don't think any of us listening any of you listening to this or anyone that you know that i talk to about this is is trying to walk that thin line i just think that culture has as much more of a a a a bigger it has a bigger pull on us than we realize It, it it is our reality our culture is our reality it's what we know it's what we've grown up in uh, even though it's changing, it is it is what we know of the world. And so it can be really, really tough to to walk that line. And so the, the Herodians, you know, think about yourself and that, you know, maybe you are engaged, engaged, excuse me, in the culture, but maybe you're also engulfed by the culture. And, and, and so there's some areas to think about. And I think we all struggle with that that idea, because the answer to that, in my opinion, is kind of one of maybe the other responses. So we talked next about the Essenes, right? The Essenes, what was their positive? And I know many of you may really want to identify with the Essenes, even though maybe you can't because of circumstances and stuff. Maybe that's where your heart really is. Um, maybe, you know, maybe your heart is really with the Herodians. Maybe your heart is really with the Sadducees and you say like, yes, I have a call. Like I, you know, or I want the call of God. Um, and yet man, that's that, that call, that call of the priest. Um, there's a, there's a way, I'm sorry, I'm jumping around a little bit, but I, I want to make this point. So there's this thing about, uh, about being a priest and about serving in the, in the, the Beit HaMikdash, right? In, in the, in God's house. That certain groups, so you have the priests and the Levites, right? And, and all Levites, all priests are Levites, but not all Levites are priests. Kind of like all, fing, all thumbs are fingers, but not all fingers are thumbs, whatever. I always get confused on that. But there's this, this idea and this concept of Kedusha, right? Kedusha, where in order to work and to care for the, 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 the temple closer to the, the Kedusha Kodeshim, the, the Holy of Holies, the closer you are to that place, the more restrictive your life is. So you may have the call to be the high priest, but you live the most restrictive and holy life in Israel, right? So there's a wonderful blessing in that calling, but there's also a huge sacrifice in that. It, you know, if you're a priest and you just serve in the in the priestly courts and the uh, in the uh, you know outside of the holy of holies. Um, you live a little less restricted life, but you never go into the Holy of Holies, right? If you work outside of that in the court of the women or in the court of Israel, you may, you know, you still live a pretty restrictive life, and yet you never get to go close to the altar. And so as you ascend closer to the presence of God, you also have much more responsibility. So if you identify with Sadducees, and you struggle with, you know, with that, with being in, too involved in the culture, realize that Yeshua said to him who much is given, much is required, right? And that's a humongous statement. It's a massive statement. So maybe you identify with the Essenes or you want to identify with the Essenes. The positive for the Essenes is that they are committed to knowing and walking the path. 
they, they are so committed that they segregated themselves. And I think that's the negative. So on the opposite ends of, in some ways, of the Herodians and the Sadducees, because many Essenes we believe were priests, and they just said, like, we're not doing this anymore. We're going to go and do it the right way out in the desert. Um, they completely disconnected from culture. So they couldn't affect culture if they wanted to. The Essene kind of view was that they will come to us. And I know, I know that in segments of Christianity, and especially in segments of Hebrew roots, this is a, this is a real, uh, this is a real danger in the Hebrew roots community that we tend to segregate ourselves. We're very ascetic in the way that we treat uh, the missional statement of Yeshua and the missional cause of Yeshua to, to go and, and be. And we're so scared of being in that Herodian sense that we, you know, we move out into nowhere and we become preppers. And, we, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying that there's no connection to culture. And we, we live in this, um, this echo chamber. We live in this echo chamber where we surround ourselves with people that think like us and talk like us and dress like us and look like us and they say the name like us and they, you know, all, they believe the earth is whatever shape just like us and they, you know, all, they, they, they use the same calendar we do and whatever. And we tend to segregate ourselves away from anyone different and we only, we're in an echo chamber. We, we put out stuff and we hear praises back. And when we hear critiques, we get mad and we get upset and we unfriend people on Facebook and we block and we do all this, this, this stuff. And we have separated ourselves to the point where we can't engage. We can't even engage the religious culture, let alone the worldly culture that is out there past the religious culture. And we have just become that we may know the scripture. We may understand, you know, we may know about the temple. We understand the word of God, maybe at a greater level than we ever have before. And yet we can't communicate it because we've segregated ourselves. And so you may have that desire to be a cynic in your faith where you just want to shut yourself off and you just want to, you just want to be devout. You just want to be obedient and you just want to sincerely follow God. And that's, that's awesome. And that's praiseworthy. And yet the danger in that is that we can cut ourselves off from society as a whole. So let's talk about zealots. So the positive for the zealots, I love zealots. The, the positive for them is they're, they're just, uh, uh, you know, unapologetic, consuming, and unrelenting zeal. Uh, I, I, you know, we have military folks in our congregation, and, and when I, we were teaching about zealots, like I could see their eyes light up, like, yeah, that's me. Let's, let's go do the job. You know, not necessarily in a violent way, but, you know, the, the zealot may not know, uh, and you may really resonate with them, and, and you may not be a person that's going to sit down and study for 8, 10, 12 hours a day. You may not sit in prayer for two hours a day. You, you know, you, that may not be you, but when there's a job to be done, you may, you may go like, I'm, put me in coach. I'm, I'm the one. The negative to the zealots is that it tend, that zeal tends to turn into violence and destruction. And so zealots really need to be balanced by a pastor, by a, by even maybe an Essene uh, uh, or, you know, by someone who can say like, Hey, let's, let's pull the reins back just a hair and let's consider how these actions are going to affect other people. We talked a lot about empire and shalom, right? Remember those conversations where how we rule uh, with God, whether through shalom or through empire. And those are, are two, you know, the whether we rule with our voice and how we speak and how we hear God or whether we rule with a stick and we just go after it and we oppress people and we create destruction in our wake. 
zealots tend to fall into that empire type of mentality where like get out of the way i don't care what you think about it it doesn't matter the job needs to be done and and our zeal takes over and we can end up isolating and and minimizing people and people can end up on the outskirts and people can even be hurt by our zeal if we're not careful and so that has to be kind of tempered a little bit. It doesn't mean we, we deny that zealous action-taking strength and gift that God gave us, but it means that we have to be a little more conscientious of, you know, of those that are maybe more timid or those that are around us that we will just roll right over if we're not careful. So last group is the Pharisees. So what is the positive to the Pharisees? Well, we talked about their complete obedience to Torah, their complete and undeniable obedience to preserving uh, the Levitical tradition, that, that complete obedience, that, that thing that Messiah will come when we get our act together. Clean out the leaven, clean out the, the junk, clean out all the stuff and get right with God, right? That is a, a huge positive and one that maybe in today's culture even needs to be emphasized a little bit more. And yet their negative is really a lack of mercy and compassion and a lack of inclusion in many ways. And so you may... You know, after learning about maybe who the Pharisees really kind of really were, and I know we did like a 30,000 foot view, we just barely even tipped the iceberg. And I would encourage you to go read some more and, and really find out for yourself who the Pharisees really, really were and correct some of that wrong teaching we've gotten. But the, the desire to be obedient in the way that you see obedience can be exclusive to other people. And I know when, when God shows you something as truth, it's this way, you know, again, I reference like the name and the calendar and all. We don't have those discussions in our congregation as a way of divisiveness. We'll talk about them, but not as in a, a divisive way because, you know what, so many of these things are up for debate. And I believe God left them open-ended so that to see if we would come together and unite and, and be the people of God instead of being all these little denomina- Hebrew roots denominations. So I hope you found this fruitful, and I hope you'll think about it through the rest of this week. Uh, Wrestle with some of these things and let Hashem reveal to you what He would like. Shalom, shalom. See you next week.